Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. So much on the sports docket for this weekend. So much to delve into over the next hour. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance, also on Sirius XM Channel 80. In just a little while, we will get into more on the New York Mets and their comeback and more delusion in sports that we are seeing right now, not just from players, but from teams and in the very same situation. What am I talking about? We'll get into it in just a bit. At 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We are joined by the hashtag crew. Hembo is here. Bubba is here. The big story tonight is that the 76ers are still hoping to have Joel Embiid back for Game 3 of the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Heat when they return home to face the Miami Heat down two games to none. And the situation at the moment is still unclear. He is still officially listed as out, but Brian Windhorst gives us the update. He hasn't uh, cleared the concussion protocol yet, so he can't be listed as anything but out. Um, this is more of an of a issue related to that issue as opposed to the orbital fracture. So if he is able to follow the steps and clear concussion protocol on Friday and he's okay playing in that mask, I still think there's a decent chance that he's going to get out there for Game 3. You don't want to assume anything with concussion symptoms, um, but even though it says out on the injury report, there is still that glimmer, you know, and and maybe even hope that uh, he would be able to get out there for what has got to be a must-win game for the Sixers on Friday night. But there is an awful lot there right now. You have the mask factor, which is going to take some getting used to. You have the fact that he is coming out of concussion protocol and the orbital fracture. And when you sustain an injury like that, I'm not saying Joel Embiid is all of a sudden going to become a wallflower, but you wonder if it doesn't play into your mind, at least for the first game or two, when you are trying to bang inside and be as aggressive as he needs to be, and then you get concerned about potentially injuring it again. And I also believe you have to look at this from a Sixers perspective and be smart about it. If this is a game tonight where if he can go and it's clear that he is not near what he usually is, what his normal self is. You have to be very smart with how you handle him with this potential, uh, the potential of getting hit in the face again, making the situation worse with the fracture itself, but also where you're headed here in the future. And for me, as much as they have to be thinking about right now, I don't know with Embiid at less than 100% Hembo Uh, at the moment, wearing a mask, which he hasn't done before, is going to be able to come in and make a big enough difference tonight against a a Heat team that has been clamped down defensively. I think it's very unlikely that Joel Embiid returns, is 100%, and the Sixers flip the series on its head, just based upon probability. Because the Heat were probably a better team than Philly anyway, with a healthy Joel Embiid. At 100%, they were the one seed. They were a phenomenal defensive team. They're much more connected. They have a lot more muscle memory as a group in terms of high-level winning in the playoffs. They just do. They're just better at most things than Philly is, especially with James Harden coming you know, late to the party and playing so inconsistently. So you're absolutely right. Even in the short term, like not even thinking about Doc Rivers and James Harden and all the future stuff, the Sixers weren't in great shape for this series. But if Joel Embiid is cleared medically, he's going to play. He's going to play well, and I bet we see him for 35 minutes tonight. And then there's James Harden. And this is a major issue, and it's not even right now. James Harden has been trying to tell us for two years 
that he is not the same player that he was in Houston, and he knew it. This goes back to when he first got to Brooklyn. When he is playing with Durant and playing with Kyrie Irving, and Harden adamantly said at the beginning, guys, I'll be the facilitator. I'll take the step back. I do not need to score. And at the time, we thought James Harden was being magnanimous in wanting to win the ring and wanting to do everything possible for that team to have success so you were avoiding any sort of drama around him not getting his shots. It is unbelievable when you factor what he was as a scorer in his career not all that long ago to now, and he has not taken more than 20 shots in a game as a Philadelphia 76er. How is that possible? Joel Embiid is begging you to be more aggressive last series. And he's still, in games one and games two, starts aggressive, gets out to a decent start, but in the second half, in two games, has a combined nine shot attempts? How is that? I never thought I would get to a point in giving sports opinions that I would say, James Harden needs to shoot more. (laughs) I never thought I would get to that point. But here we are. And to me, it's because Harden has understood for a while that he is not the same player that he was. And let's just call it what it is. When you are a guy that has not taken care of yourself physically, the drop-off happens a lot more precipitously. Just look throughout sports history. There are a couple of guys that go against that, but for the most part, when you see that kind of player who is big and burly and has incredible ability, when they lose it, they lose it quick, and they can never get it back at that point. There are two ways that James Harden could fend off father time. The first would be, to do what LeBron James did and just become maniacal about his body. Improve his conditioning so much so that... But he has never done that. LeBron has been that for a long time. There's no question. That's not James Harden. We know that. We know how he spends his free time. The second way is to modify your game the way that Chris Paul has. Chris Paul was left for dead three years ago. He is now a way better player than James Harden. And yet we're seeing James Harden play the exact same way as he did three years ago. So if you're not going to do A and you're not going to be B, what you are is an old man without old man skills. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night. Warriors hosting the Grizzlies, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny today, along with the hashtag crew. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Then there is the future with James Harden. And the Sixers and the decisions that they have to make. Whether or not Harden is going to opt in and expect to get a four-year contract extension worth north of 50 to $55 million a year, or if they just let him walk. Here is Jalen Rose, ESPN NBA analyst, on the Sixers and that decision moving forward. I don't believe they will. And, and I know people are going to think that's surprising based on the fact they did everything they could to wait for their guy but you don't do like the Lakers did with Russell Westbrook and double down on a bad decision. Mm. And here's why. James Harden, if you look at his Carfax, he's breaking down. (laughs) (laughs) He ain't that same player. Chris Paul is a classic car. He's a used car. This team can't win 
because they got him. Yeah, there's a lot of miles on James Harden, and there is no rolling back the odometer to try to make it look better than it was. I couldn't agree more. If you're going to do this, you're going to set your organization back. You're going to just absolutely destroy your salary cap. And I truly believe that if you give James Harden a max contract, or even if they're talking about signing him for less, what's less, $35 million a year? That doesn't help. It's, it's, it's not, hey, James is going to stay here for $10 million a year. No, that's not what it is. Less does not help unless it is a fraction of what he is making. And I think if you keep him within two years, Joel Embiid will try, be trying to get his way out of town because he will understand his best chance to win a championship before his body breaks down will come somewhere else. I bet you Joel Embiid already in an honest moment would say, I have no future with James Harden. Or at least he should be saying that. He should be thinking that. Because we gave James Harden at this point now more than a two-month tryout. And he has failed that tryout miserably. If the 76ers opt to give James Harden the Supermax, or whatever we're going to call it, it would be the worst I mistake. I think we can start calling it the Stupid Max. I love it. Yeah. Let's, let's trademark James that. Harden. The stupid Max. Giving him that money would be the Stupid Max. And we can really say that for players across the board. Did Tobias Harris get the stupid max? Perhaps. Perhaps he did. <laughs> it would be the biggest mistake the 76ers have ever made. Ever. So, I'm, I'm, as you know. And the bar is set high. Very high. You know, I'm a, I'm a Philly guy all across the board. So, the, the, the decline of the Phillies came when they gave Ryan Howard a $125 million contract past his prime. The Phillies haven't made the playoffs since they did so. We're talking about that same kind of decision. Are you willing to punt your future in this way to double down on, on that decision? It takes a lot more courage to admit that you're wrong. It just takes a lot more courage to admit that you're wrong. Cut it loose. You have cap space, you'll have cap space, and you still have Joel Embiid, a very attractive partner with which to play with. You can still get other people. By making the decision to stick with James Harden and doubling down, the Sixers, I think, would be setting themselves back something like a decade. And I also believe that in some ways you need to treat, and it's very much a short-term thing, but you need to treat not paying Tyrese Maxey right now, the max money, somewhat like paying a rookie quarterback on his contract. Mm. Let's take advantage of that as mm. much as we can, but make sure that we do it in the right spot. I like the stupid Max trademark a lot here, actually. <laughs> but look, Tyrese Maxey is their ticket to ride. With Embiid and Maxey, all you need is That's the right— That's the foundation. All you need is the right third guy, and it is incredibly obvious that James Harden is not the right third guy. According to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year. If you need to add more employees, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can invite— your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greenie. Up next, there is a level of delusion that sometimes is acceptable in sports, and then there is just a whole nother level. This time, it's between two players and one team. We'll tell you what we're talking about in moments. It's Chris Carlin in for Greenie on ESPN Radio at ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride 
ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Demon Time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy the cleveland browns and baker mayfield are actually in an incredible competition to really establish who is more out of touch of, with, with reality right now. It is amazing to me. Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So, Baker Mayfield, according to people Close to Baker Mayfield. In other words, according to Baker Mayfield, he felt as if during the season last year, the Browns may have been trying to expose him as a bad player while he was playing with his injury so that they would be easily able to explain moving on from him, which makes virtually no sense whatsoever. Cleveland, for their part, was in discussions with the Carolina Panthers on a trade for Baker Mayfield in the second round during the draft last weekend. It fell apart because Carolina had the gall to ask ask Cleveland to pay a good amount of the $19 million, and Cleveland balked at paying a good portion of Baker Mayfield's salary because they still somehow believe that somebody is going to trade for Mayfield and yet at the same time take on that entire salary. So I put it to the hashtag crew. Bubba, we will start with you. More delusional. Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns. I, I think it's, it's a toss-up, but I think still Baker. It's, it's close. It's, it's I can't close. believe the Browns have made it this close. Yeah. Hembo, what say you? I say Baker as well, and the reason for it is because the Browns at least have the built-in excuse that Deshaun Watson is likely to be suspended, maybe for a decent amount of time. So who knows? We might be living in a world in which they come begging Baker Mayfield to come back to them. Like That's definitely, I think, on the list of options. I don't see it as likely, 
But based upon what we're hearing, the Watson suspension might be lengthy, and Baker Mayfield's a heck of a lot better than Jacoby Brissett. Do you think they're thinking Baker, they're keeping Baker right now as an insurance policy? I think there's a chance that's part of their calculus. Okay, who is more delusional right now, Baker, the Cleveland Browns, or Hembo with what he just said? (laughs) Bubba, what say you on that? Uh, we have to go with Hembo. Yeah, I would go with Hembo. So the, so the obvious me, answer is Hembo. You're telling me there is a zero percent chance that Baker Mayfield plays for the Browns this season. I believe there is a zero percent chance that he will be on the roster come training camp. And no, let me rephrase that. He will not be in training camp. He may be on the roster because they haven't worked out a deal yet, but there is no way that he will be in training camp. Here is Kevin Stefanski asked if Mayfield at this point is a distraction. When we're here in the building, we're kind of just focusing what we have to focus on. And, and today that's a walkthrough that I'm already late for. So I'm going to, you guys got to write me a, a note here, <laughs> okay. um, but it's just, it's, it's what, what it's the situation that we're in, and, and we're making sure that we're focusing on what we can focus on. You know, we've talked about it. It, it is unique. Uh, I think everybody understands that. But but for us, it's really treating it day by day, and and, and really not getting uh, too far out ahead of it. Are you confident it'll be resolved, Coach? Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, again, I think everybody would love uh, resolution, but these things are fluid. I think Andrews talked about it. Um, we'll continue to do uh, what's best uh, ultimately for the team at all times, but this is a unique situation, um, and I think everybody understands that. I don't know if it's fluid as much as it's solid. I'm going to try and talk you into this, all right? I'm going to try and talk you into this. Baker Mayfield has a lot to gain from coming back to the team because he has the opportunity to try out for the rest of the league, to play football. He has a, Baker Mayfield has an endless amount to prove, and the Browns might provide him a platform. The Browns have a lot to gain from mending the relationship because, like I said, what if Deshaun Watson's suspension is eight games long, ten games long, the whole season? Are you willing to punt a season over hurt feelings? I think both sides might have something to gain by reconciling. I get the Deshaun Watson argument. The problem is all of the drama that comes with Baker at this point. And that story would explode into even more than it has already if Baker is back in Cleveland God forbid he would come in and play well. Can you imagine for a second if all of a sudden Baker Mayfield had put it all together in the first half of the year, the Browns are 6-1, and but Deshaun Watson's coming off suspension. You know what we call that? A good problem to have. That's a good problem to have. Are you telling me you'd rather have... You'd rather have a drama-free season with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback when you're three and five than a drama-filled season with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. At I threw six that. And two? I threw that out as a wild possibility. It is nowhere near a probability. And then, on the flip side, speaking of delusion, there is Kyrie Irving. By the way, the Kevin Stefanski uh, soundbite was from his interview with ESPN 850 in Cleveland. Here is Kyrie, who is on uh, one of the boardroom podcasts discussing what went down this year, and really what's to blame. I was not expecting, you know, a mandate to yeah. be brought down in a way that it wasn't going to allow me to play at all. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I had the opportunity to play away games still, but there there was no plan in place. There was no vision of, like, how it's going to work for our team. And I, and I think that really impacted um, not just me, but a lot of people. Yeah. So, you know, just had to sit in, the, sit in that hot seat for a little bit and deal with it, man. Life of a martyr, bro. 
I got to say, there is only one bigger martyr I have met in my entire life, and that is my Aunt Billy. And Kyrie has by far passed my Aunt Billy when it comes to the life of a martyr. Poor me in there, uh, passively, aggressively blaming somebody else in there. This feels like Christmas at my house when she comes over at dinner time. That's what this feels like listening to Kyrie at this point. High expectations of everyone else and then disappointment when they are not met. Incredible. I, I can't get over the fact that in the... Yes, I, why do I say that? Yes, of course I can. Because this is daily with him. Why am I surprised? This is quite literally why I get frustrated with relationships in my family. Why would I be surprised at how my Aunt Billy would act in a situation when I have seen it every other single time? And now I am seeing this with Kyrie Irving. Uh, it's amazing that... He is so adept right now at sliding in there. Well, there was really no plan in place for me to do. No grand vision for how this was going to work. They didn't want you to be a part-time player, and then they needed you to be a part-time player, so you're going to blame them. The other thing, too, here, Hembo, what I have heard from Kyrie is instead of when I wouldn't play, it's when I couldn't play. When he talks about what happened this past year, it's, I couldn't play. No, you could. You just wouldn't. And that, that I'll tell you, there is a, a level of gall that Kyrie is reaching that I thought otherwise unattainable. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he's setting new records. He's breaking barriers in that <laughs> sense. He, Kyrie Irving is not a person to be taken seriously on any topic of import. And he has not only learned nothing, he has proven that he is a bad teammate sabotaging the prime of Kevin Durant and is doing so unapologetically, braggadociously. What Kyrie Irving continues, the way he continues to behave and the things that he continues to say, if I were the Brooklyn Nets in closed-door meetings, I would be dying for him to leave my franchise. Dying! That guy's holding me back more than anything. And the fact that he has sort of hijacked Kevin Durant with him is one of the great basketball tragedies of our time. He does have some sort of a... Svengali-like effect over Kevin Durant and his decision-making. It is really remarkable. Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Up next, there is still plenty of drama around the NFL. The aforementioned Baker and Stefanski and Cleveland situation along with Debo Samuel. And where is that headed now that the draft is in the rearview mirror? Greeny, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. 
NIL continues to be a major topic, and understandably so. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. The latest Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College, uh, came out this week and said that he had two separate offers from intermediary parties from other schools offering him $600,000 in an NIL deal and $300,000 in an NIL deal in separate instances. And they came to him through other people, which he immediately went to Jeff Halfley with, the Boston College head coach, because that is still a form of tampering in a degree. But Zay Flowers ended up staying at Boston College. Here is the the one part of NIL when it comes to the big-time athletes that people will not necessarily consider. The athletes, especially in the NFL and the and, uh the NBA, guys with NFL and NBA futures that people will not consider as much. For Zay Jones, this was a business decision. It was, or Zay Flowers, I should say. This was a business decision. It was not necessarily about, I'm going to do the right thing and stay at Boston College. Now, from what I'm told and talking to people around the situation, it has always been important to his family and his father in particular to get his degree from Boston College, and, and that's terrific and, a, and a, a great, unfortunately, byproduct of it. But look at his potential for the future. Right now, he's projected as a possible late first-round pick next year. His quarterback is Phil Jerkovic, who is also projected, formerly of Notre Dame, as a potential first-round pick next year. He has a new offensive coordinator, who is much more styled to getting quarterbacks ready and receivers ready for the league. How receivers are paid now and drafted now, you could argue that Zay Flowers is making the better business decision to stay and play with Phil Jerkovic and play in an offense that will be friendly to his numbers to position himself for the future, thus making the $600,000 that he would have gotten somewhere else somewhat moot this year. If it means that I'm going to get $5 million next year or $8 million or whatever it is in terms of a signing bonus next year and have better numbers this season but not get that deal as opposed to go somewhere else, get six hundred grand, but... I don't know the offense as well. I don't know the coordinator as well or the quarterback. He is making the best business decision. You will see more of that with NIL. Previously on Greeny. There is a notion out there that they're going to like have to trade like Baker Mayfield and a second round pick to get a sixth round pick in return just to get someone to take the money off their hands. That's going to be the steal of a, of, of a lifetime for somebody. We're writing that guy off too soon. Now, he needs to get it. He's part of the problem himself. And if he doesn't ever get it, then he won't solve the problem. But he's got a chance to. That's a weekly rewind brought to you by Dell for your small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And, that's part of the problem, what Greeny was talking about at the end. The hashtag crew Hembo is here, along with Bubba. That's a real part of the problem, because you listen to Baker Mayfield now still, or, quote, sources next to or close to Baker Mayfield, and what they continue to leak out there. I don't know that he's ever going to get it. 
I, I truly don't know if he's ever going to understand that he is not the victim in every circumstance. Mm. There, we all have people in our lives who play the victim exceptionally well and make sure that you know that they have been the victim. And it feels like as much as this should have been a wake-up call for Baker Mayfield in some ways, that it has not been. And he will continue to be this way. Because, Hembo, I, I, I always give room for people to mature and grow up, especially when they're people in their early 20s. I was an idiot until I was in my late 20s at best. At best. When it comes to this kind of thing, Baker is making me subscribe to the thought more of when people show you who they are, believe them. Yeah, I think this is now the, it's now baked into the cake with him, right? This is just part of the cake. And if you don't like it, just avoid that part of it. The, the, the downfall of Baker Mayfield is not, has nothing to do with football, I don't think. It has to do with the fact that he went from being the chip-on-your-shoulder walk-on to being the entitled number one overall pick. He has swung so far in the other direction, and it's so clear and obvious based upon these the, the, the media hits that he's doing, based on all the leaks that we hear, that he does view himself as the victim. And when you are signing up for a franchise quarterback, you want a CEO who's willing to take the slings and arrows, and Baker Mayfield acts like he's an intern in the organization. It's, an intern. He does. It, it, it is absolutely astounding in some ways it is chris carlin in for greeny so for more on this we welcome in espn nfl insider jeremy fowler who joins us right now jeremy let's start there with baker and the browns and we actually asked the question earlier the browns not making a deal with carolina last week because they still don't want to pay any of the salary versus baker who continues to at least get it out there through other people that He's really the victim in all of this. Uh, Jeremy, who is more delusional at this point? The Browns that they will be able to trade him and not have to pay any of the money or Baker at this point? This is an equal distribution of uh, disillusionment. (laughs) Both both sides are culpable here. And, you know, usually, I guess if we're calling Baker Mayfield the intern, usually the intern is the most naive in the situation. And, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield – um, probably overplayed his hand a little bit. You know, he, he knew that the Browns were looking around at the quarterback spot, but probably underestimated their ability to get Deshaun Watson, you know, because um, he made the trade request a day before the, the or a day or two before the Browns actually got him. So, um, and, and now, you know, both sides are sort of stuck with each other because the teams know uh, Browns have no leverage and, and him coming off a bad season, there's just not a whole lot of interest, which some, People around the league are still a little shocked by just based on his precedent, number one overall pick. He's had two good seasons, led a bad Browns team to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, so so you'd like to think there's a spot for him somewhere as sort of a back-end starter eventually. But uh, right now, both are uh, just as culpable and, and just as disillusioned as you would think. Yeah, Jeremy, it, it's amazing that we are at this point, but it leads us to maybe think about the future here a little bit. Where would you put the possibility that Baker is actually in training camp with the Browns because none of this was able to be worked out? I mean, I'd put a, I'd put a small to reasonable percentage on it, maybe 30 or 40%, just because we can't do anything with him. But I, I believe by that point they would work out some sort of settlement with Baker to cut him loose. Uh, maybe there's a way to 
create a departure where, you know, he takes a little bit off that 18.8 million knowing that he has to be made whole on the other end with a new team or the Browns could be out of pocket if, if he doesn't get that deal with the new team, but it, something is going to have to happen because I don't think they signed uh, Jaco- Jacoby Brissett to be a backup if Deshaun Watson's sitting. I think he would actually play, um, and Baker would only be an absolute last resort. You're just you know, I was going through a laundry list of issues. If they were to to actually put Baker on the field, they would have to overcome just broken trust. Um, you know, like him ripping the game plan of Kevin Stefanski last year. Uh, you know, the, the Browns basically looking for his replacement for months, if not years, uh, because this is a regime that didn't draft him. So there's just a, it, it's very loaded and complicated there between those two parties. Right? I just don't see them playing together. Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, joined by ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler. All right, we got the huge news yesterday that Debo Samuel had, in fact, refollowed the San Francisco 49ers on Instagram. Has there been some thawing here? Where do we stand with Debo and the Niners? Well, it's funny that as far as the thawing, you know, I I talked to a source involved who said, like, nothing's really changed. He hasn't rescinded his trade request. He still plans to miss, um, and there's no real progress on a new contract, so... Uh, I think there's maybe some cautious optimism from San Francisco for uh, the, the major news that, that you just delivered about him uh, <laughs> following the 49ers back. So, I, you know, if, if that's the way young players communicate, then yes, it's a positive. Um, you know, but right now, nothing has really changed. I, I do think uh, the 49ers can salvage the relationship, and, and maybe that wasn't the case a few weeks ago, um, but it would have to be done largely with the right contract that, not only uh, compensates him for being a top player, but also for all that he does. And especially if, you know, if he doesn't want to be a running back slash wide receiver, they're going to have to pay a tax for that most likely. Jeremy, coming out of the draft last weekend, what was your most surprising development? Malik Willis going in the late third round. I mean, Tennessee was in their draft headquarters, like pretty much shocked. Like, are you seeing this? You know, like they eventually just took them just out of, how their board fell and taking the best player available. Um, I know he's raw and it's, you know, a lot of teams felt like his tape wasn't good at Liberty, uh, but you know, he's, he's just a, uh, a very high end ability guy with a big arm and can run and like, you can work with that. So, uh, and the fact that teams usually now trend more toward getting a guy with, with high traits, you know, like we see with Josh Allen and some of those players that I thought, I thought somebody would take a chance on him in the first, uh, just didn't shake out that way. With that in mind, we heard the Tannehill comments the other day. I'm not here to necessarily mentor Malik Willis at this point. He did reach out to him and all that. But, Jeremy, what do people – what is made of that kind of comment these days? Because it seems as if quarterback has always been the only position where that kind of thought is really allowed in the NFL. Everybody else is, understands that part of their job as veterans is to tutor the younger players. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think some players have a issue with the word mentor because they, for whatever reason they have the perception that that means that they're meeting them individually for study hall every day and like bringing them <laughs> in for dinner at their home. You know, like I don't necessarily think it has to be that far. Um, there's a, there's a balance there. You know, Brian Tannehill's, job description is to be a good teammate and, and help win games. So as long as he's prepared to do that, all this is kind of 
silly, you know. But um, if he gives Malik Willis the cold shoulder, that's a different issue. But I really don't see him doing that. I think he'll help him. Uh, but you got to remember, Ryan Tannehill is under enormous amount of pressure right now uh, based on the way the end of last year went. I don't think that Tennessee makes this move for a quarterback in the draft a year ago. But they do it now, and it's telling to me that they did. Last one for Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL Insider. And that's just at this point in the offseason, not just off of the draft, but at this point in the offseason, which teams, one or two, have taken the biggest step forward for you and which have taken the biggest step back? Based on the draft or just in general? Based on the entire entirety of the offseason so far. Hmm. I know I'm going to miss a few. Uh, let's see. You know, I kind of like what the Bengals did. I mean, they're coming up with a Super Bowl, and yet they've revamped their entire offensive line. Uh, they got, you know, Dax Hill's a really good player. Got, they got the first round. Um, and, you know, they needed help in the secondary, and they addressed that. And, look, the Jets, I know it's fresh, and everybody's praising their draft. Uh, but, it, you know, it's hard to ignore that there's at least some momentum there and some good vibes in New York. And, uh, you know, they deserve it. They had a really good draft. And they, they didn't panic and – didn't try to throw two first-round picks at the 49ers for Debo Samuel. Instead, they took Garrett Wilson, who's going to be a lot cheaper uh, and is a really good receiver, you know. And so, yeah, I would say Jets. I'm going to go Jets, give the Jets a little love. You know, assuming the quarterback plays reasonably well, they'll be in a good position. Giving the Jets a little love is not often a sentence that is uttered, but we appreciate the time, Jeremy, nonetheless. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. I absolutely deserve it. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL Insider. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Tune in to an NL battle tomorrow as the Cubs host the Dodgers, presented by Progressive Insurance. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Greeny is coming to you live from the Seaport District, Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Hembo. Have you seen that the latest class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been announced? Uh, I did not see said list. Should I have seen said list? Yes, it came out yesterday. It is not exactly Murderer's Row. It's not the 27 Yankees, to put it in Hembo's Mm. sort of context. But Bubba and I were discussing before the show, how many of these particular acts would Hembo know a song from or have heard of Bubba, explain the thought process here as we run down the eight different performers and bands that are now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. to put Hembo to the test here. Well, yeah, I mean, so there are eight bands, oh, and they're like you said, it's not the most famous. You know, we're not talking the Beatles, you know, the Rolling Stones, and the most famous names. I, I was able to go eight for eight, but there were a couple where I could only just name one song. And I think, so there are eight different bands, and okay. I think Hembo, I'm not sure he can go more than one for eight. And honestly, the one I'm banking on Eminem, yeah. I'm not sure that's a given. So, like, let's just start with Pat Benatar. Can you name a Pat Benatar song? That is the first time in my life I've heard the name Pat Benatar. Oh, come on. Oh come I, on! I, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating for effect. I've never heard of that person. I've never heard of that person. Is that a, is that a man hit, or woman? Hit me with your best shot. Yes. I've Very heard that famous. Song. Love is a battlefield. I've heard. I've heard that song. All right. Oh for one. That's Pat Benatar. It is a woman. <laughs> yes. That's okay. what we should also clarify. <laughs> is that. that a man or a woman? I, we are off to an awesome I start. I kid you on not. This. I kid you not. All right. What about Duran Duran? 
I've heard of that band. Okay. I, I don't. I most definitely could not name a song from it. Rio, is that hungry like the wolf? No, no. It, it, is it? it yes. This is Rio, right? Or is this hungry this like? This is the hungry wolf? like. Yeah. Oh, it is oh, hungry like me. the wolf. So we'll give you look some credit for that. Okay, I guess he gets partial credit. I, I don't know anyone in the band, but I I do recognize the song. That's a that's a famous chorus. Can you do an Eminem song? Yes, of course. The, Eminem, like. Um, my name is Till I Collapse. Well, I see in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah, they kind of let anyone in there. Yeah, it's it's a very very loose. All right, definition so you're up to two. So you're, you already point. beat my over under. Okay. Sweet. Wow. How about well, there's no shot he's got at this. No, Eurythmics. Say that again. Eurythmics. I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Eurythmics. I've never heard of that. <laughs> Sweet dreams are made of this. These? No, not nothing. I am getting the blankest stare right now. I, this is the first time I've heard this tune in my life. That's not possible. You've no, no, no. I've, I've not. Is this, is this I wear my sunglasses at night? No. No. This is sweet dreams are made of this. What, the last 30 seconds, you guys have said nothing and I've heard nothing that I've ever heard of in my life. Let's move on. Dolly Parton. That's a woman. Yes, it's- but I couldn't tell you. A- the, the, the segment is not based around name the gender. It yeah. is. Have you ever heard of one song by the by this person? I, I did not know she was a singer. I thought. Okay. Do- you, oh, come on. I, I, no, I, I thought Dolly Parton was like a. Didn't she do like sixty minutes? Next. I'm sure she was on the show. Lionel Richie, tell me you can give me a Lionel Richie song because he's great. So I've heard of that person. I know. I, I know, and I could. I could even picture his face. Isn't he like? Doesn't he like, like co-host like a like a American Idol type? He's on that now, but that's not what he's best known. Yeah, for. he's certainly not. I don't. Know I a, celebrate his entire catalog. He is great. I don't. I don't, I don't know a song of dancing on the ceiling. Nothing. Next, quickly, we're running out of time. Carly Simon, man no, or no, woman? Man or woman? Next, Judas Priest. Yeah, I've heard of them. All right, can you name a song? I cannot. Ugh. Man, come on, Bubba! Oh, I think two for eight. Hey, beat my two for eight. Over. I He's thought one fifty. It's not terrible. I mean, I did not expect it to turn to name that gender <laughs> as opposed to the artists. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at ten Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN Plus. Also, catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcast.